Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome to a brand new series of the podcast where we will be talking all about the reading routines that you can have in your small groups to help take your students to the next level while also saving yourself a little bit of sanity and a little bit of time and stress knowing that you're covering all of the things. Because to be perfectly honest, we have so many things that we're trying to cram into our small groups. There are so many things that we know our kids need from us. And so the, the struggle and the balance of it all can really, really be difficult. If you have been around the podcast for long, then you know I have a reading, a math, and a spelling intervention that I've created for my resource room. And in the show notes of this episode, I'm going to link a free week for you to download so that you can see if this is something that would work for you or might help make your life a little bit easier. So I'll link that in the show notes. Feel free to go download that. And then as I'm explaining some of these things, it might really start to make sense of like, oh, that's what she's doing with that. That's how I could do that in three to five minutes a day. And the same is true about these episodes. I want you to be able to quickly hear it, get an idea of what's going on, what I do, download the freebie, and go give it a whirl in your groups. So today we'll be talking about sight words. And before I go too deep, I do want to talk about the science of reading and what they believe in sight words versus what I think about sight words. The science of reading believes that we should really teach a lot of decoding. We should teach kids how to stretch out those words so that they could decode any word that they encounter and lean more towards that than leaning on sight words, sight words, sight words, memorize the crap out of all these words so that hopefully you can read. But literally, if you don't have the word memorized, you would never be able to decode the word on your own. And with that being said, I wholeheartedly agree. I wholeheartedly believe that for our typical kids, that is absolutely what we should be doing. We need to be focusing on teaching those phonics skills so that they can decode any and every word that they might happen to encounter in real life or in real text. I believe it, that's what I want, that's the goal. But as a special education teacher, It might take our students a very, very long time to master decoding. And there are components in the brain that are making it very difficult for them to decode words. Maybe it's a working memory difficulty. Maybe it's something, you know, with processing that is a struggle for them. But for one reason or another, decoding is challenging for them. And because of that, I think we really have to lean into their strengths We're not going to ignore those weaknesses. Obviously, part of our jobs is to work on those weaknesses. We will work on decoding, but I think we would be silly to ignore the fact that their strength is sight words. 
their strength is memorization. And for some of our kids, that's the only way that they have even been able to survive the first few years of school before being identified. I also think like for me, maybe I'm in the minority, but for me, I might work on decoding CVC words or decoding words with beginning blends for the majority of a school year. That is the student's IEP goal and that's what we're working on for an entire school year or for an entire IEP year. So I'm gonna take that CVC word example and kind of run with it. On the Dolch pre-primer sight words, there are not a lot of CVC words. So if all we're working on is decoding CVC words, then we are never going to get to words like the or said or away. Those are harder words that do incorporate some other phonetic skills, some other things that we might learn or we might teach later down the road. But when we're talking about their decoding abilities, it doesn't always quite align. And so I believe that we should take some time to practice those sight words. And if there's an opportunity to practice or to teach that CVC decoding skill that they're ready for, then hey, let's do it. Like the word not, or even some of those two letter words like it or up, those follow patterns. Those are decodable. So by all means, go with that if you're working on CVC words. However, how are you going to feel like a reader or feel like you're making progress if you don't take some time to master some of those words? And again, I kind of say if you don't, but if our students don't, if we're not putting ourselves in their shoes, how are they going to feel like readers if there aren't some basic words that we see over and over and over again, like the and is and we and you, that maybe don't follow patterns that we typically are learning at that level of decoding. But because memorization is a strength, we're gonna lean into that and teach them those strategies. I hope that doesn't sound like a wishy-washy answer or a wishy-washy thought. I do believe that we should be working on decoding and we should be teaching our kids phonics. But we can't ignore the fact that for some of our kids, phonics is going to take a really long time and we can't put all our eggs in that basket. We could put a lot of eggs in that basket, but I do think we have to kind of acknowledge that sight words might be a strength for some of our kids as well. So what do I do in my group every day to practice sight words? I do it all in about three to five minutes at the most, um, and it's quick. It's typically pretty fun for the kids, and it is multi-sensory, which is a big, big component um, in my classroom and something that I think is very important for our kids. So the first thing that we do, uh, really, I'm going to say religiously, we do it all the time, is arm tapping. So whenever we have a, a sight word, let's go with the word where, we might have the word where. I have it on a flashcard so that they can see it. We're going to stretch out our arm and we are going to tap all the way down our arm as we say the letters in that word. And I like to say it in a sing-songy way. I like to say it in a way where later when they're trying to spell that word or when they're saying those letters, maybe because they're trying to figure out what that word is, they naturally kind of chunk it up or say it like we are arm tapping it. 
So for example, with the word where, with our arms stretched out, eyes on our flashcard, I would say W-H-E-R-E, -E, where. W-H-E-R-E, -E, where. W-H-E-R-E, -E, where. And as we're saying, the letters were tapping from our shoulder all the way down to our wrist. And then whenever we actually say the words, we kind of swipe from our shoulder to our wrist. And we do that typically about three times. Sometimes if it's a brand new word or one that we haven't done a lot of, we might do it five times or six times. Maybe it's a word that we have done over and over and over again. And so as they're hunting for the word, which I'll talk about here in just a second, I might be saying W-H-E-R-E, -E, where, as they're looking for the word instead of making them arm tap that. Which brings me to our next routine, the next thing that we are doing as we are working on reading that word. So long ago, when I first started teaching, I did a lot with flashcards and we would do, you know, our flashcards every day. We might go through three to five words, depending on the student, practice, practice, practice. And they were only seeing that word on a flashcard. And so far, what I've described, arm tapping, all they're doing is seeing it on a flashcard. But then what would happen is we would go and read that word in a sentence. And even though they've read the word go 15 times on that flashcard so well, when they would see go in a real sentence, then they didn't quite pick it up. They didn't recognize that word. And it's like, gosh, guys, you know this, you know this. But they don't because they've only seen it on a flashcard. They've never seen it in a sentence. So the next part of my routine kind of addresses that. I don't want you to know 900 flashcards but not be able to read a sentence because it's not on a flashcard. So what we do then is after we've arm tapped that word where, then we're going to get a blue highlighter and we are going to highlight any and every time that word appears in our text. And with that, sometimes we have words that look similar. Think of all those W words like want and went and what. All of those look very similar, but it teaches kids, and we literally have this conversation, we have to train our brains to know the difference between these words. We have to train our brains to read through the whole word, to say those letters and realize, is it want or is it what? Is it he or is it she? Because yeah, they might look similar, but they're not the same. The and they, they look similar, but they are not the same. Depending on the passage, that word might be there three or four times, or it might be there once. It really varies. A lot of my lower reading level kids, it might be there multiple times because those sentences are a little more structured and might repeat a little more versus something that's a little harder where maybe it's there once because that was the only time that word fit. But either way, we hunt for that word. After we have hunted for all of our words, we've arm tapped, we've hunted, we put those highlighters up, and then I take the flashcards that I had been holding up and we just drill those four words over and over and over again. Sometimes I'm silly with them. I might have two in my hand and be going back and forth between there and three, there and three, or want and went, back and forth. That way we're practicing what those words are. Maybe they aren't similar visually or maybe they don't sound a lot alike and we're just going through those four words over and over again. 
And if I have time, I might also grab the flashcards from the day before or the rest of the days that are coming up in the week and drill those as well. I'll be honest, that's the first thing I toss if I'm running low on time. But if I do have time, I'm gonna grab those other flashcards and just drill, drill, drill those other words so that it's one more exposure, one more time that they're seeing it and hearing it throughout the week. So that's usually what I'll do, some of which might be easy. Maybe it, some of those are words that we've had many times, but some of them might also be some of those words that are tricky or words that are newer to us. We haven't had it in our book a lot. And so that extra practice is just always, always beneficial. Altogether, that takes me about three to five minutes. Now, my students have been doing this for a very long time, about three years now, and so they're very well trained. This is all they know. When they come in, they know we get out our blue highlighters. That's what we do. They know the drill. So it does go much faster, and it took us a while to get there. But for me, in about three to five minutes, we can practice sight words. For some of my lower level students who might really, really be struggling with the decoding piece, and I know they would benefit from some extra help with sight words, or maybe they have IEP goals with sight words, I might also find like a five to 10 minute chunk of time where they can be with an instructional assistant and practice those one-on-one. -on -one. With each of the episodes in this series, I plan to tell you three different things or kind of chunk it into three different parts. The first is tell you what the heck am I doing in my group every single day to practice that particular skill. The next will be what kinds of IEP goals am I writing for my students? And then the third piece is how am I progress monitoring that so that it can be done quickly and efficiently? So since I've told you what I do every day in my group, now let's talk a little bit about what IEP goals do my students have or what do I see from other special education teachers like in my Facebook group. My IEP goals are really centered around a lot of word lists. And so for me, I prefer the Dolch sight word list. For those, it is a little old. I'm sure um, our texts have changed and things like that. But many years ago, those lists were created based on the frequency of words that were used in like kindergarten or first grade or second grade text. So the idea being, if you knew a lot of those words by sight, which, you know, I know the science of reading people would not love me for saying that, but if you knew a lot of those words by sight, then you would be able to read a good chunk of the text or be able to make your way through a lot of the text that were in the kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, whatever level. And while I'm sure maybe they are a little outdated or maybe those words have changed, I like them for that reason in that they're based on frequency. We know the words the, is, in, it, they're used a lot. And if I can teach my kids some of those words, whether it be to decode them, have them memorized by sight, then they will be able to read a higher number of texts or more difficult texts, or they will be able to kind of progress, which is what we all want from our kids. So I prefer the Dolch sight word list. However, you could also use the Fry sight word list or sometimes different schools or reading series or interventions that you're using might have their own list of words that they follow or that your school follows. 
So it doesn't have to be dolce, doesn't have to be fry. It could be something based on your reading series or your intervention or whatever, you know, the latest, greatest thing is at your school. That's okay too. So for me, my goals a lot of times are based around whatever reading, word reading list you like or maybe are required to use. A lot of my goals might say something like this. By the end of the IEP year, when given the 40 words from the pre-primer dose sight word list, the student will be able to independently read 30 words. Or to be honest, you could insert whatever number of words you feel is appropriate. I've had students where it took them all IEP year before to read 20 of the 40 words. It would be silly to move on to pre-primer and think suddenly they're going to be able to master a good chunk of those words. So you have to kind of know your student. How many words do you think are reasonable for them? What would be a good goal? It doesn't have to just be 80% of, okay, so if I have 40 words, 80% would be 32 words. So therefore, that's what it's going to be. They have to get 32 words. Maybe you want them to know all 40 words. You know your kids, you know what's reasonable, but that is a lot of times how my goals are structured. When given X number of words from the pre-primer or from the primer or from the first grade, whatever list you think is appropriate, and then name how many words will they be able to read. Now let's talk a little bit about progress monitoring because I know that that's what gets overwhelming. We can write the goals, we can come up with great routines, but progress monitoring can oftentimes be overwhelming. So the first way that I work on progress monitoring or gathering some of that data on sightword goals are I look at what students are working one-on-one -on -one with a paraprofessional, or at our school we call them instructional assistants. So who is working one-on-one -on -one with an adult? On the back of my reading intervention booklets, I copy every three weeks, I copy a list of the dull sight words that are covered in that book, as well as some decodable words. So I copy that on the back. Whenever we're finished with that book, I give it to the instructional assistant who pulls those students who are working on sight words and they know, hey, whenever she gives me this, she wants me to have them read the words on the back. So it might just be a handful of students. This year I have five students who are working with an instructional assistant on sight words. So it's so easy to give her those papers and I just saved myself five kids of progress monitoring that you know maybe I have to do something for math or writing or whatever, but those sight words, that goal is now, the data, the data will be there because my instructional assistant knows what to do and they already have that time built in their schedule. It's already been something that they're working on. They need that feedback just as much as I do. Let's say two weeks ago, they mastered a word, but now they're progress monitoring and they realize, uh, they don't actually remember that word. They don't actually, you know, they can't retain that. Maybe we need to throw it into our rotation again. That's valuable to them as well. To me, that does take a little bit of training. You can't just throw that paper at them and expect them to know what to do. We talk a lot about, I want it to be like within three seconds. They know that word. Either they know it or they don't. If they're trying to stretch it out, that's fine if they do that. But to me, that doesn't count as knowing it by sight. Now, sometimes I'll have kids who 
might like on and no, and they say one, and then when they realize, and they say it incorrectly, then when they get to the other use of that word, they're like, oh man, I already said that. And they go back. I'm all good with that. But talk to them about what your expectation is so they know how to accurately progress monitor that. For students who aren't working one-on-one with a para, I would use the back of the book. And so a lot of times what I do is I look for opportunities where my students might be writing a sentence or highlighting some words, or usually on that week, I want them to answer reading comprehension questions independently. I don't want, I don't want myself sitting there feeding them answers. So I might pull kids and say, hey, can you read these words to me from the back of the book while the kids are doing something else? And so with that, my goal is usually one student per day. Now, if you have more than five students, that's not going to work for you. But for me, a lot of my groups have four or five students. A couple of them have three. So it's very easy to say on Monday, I'm going to get this kid. On Tuesday, I'm going to get this kid. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They all have their own kid assigned to them that I'm going to pull or that I'm going to watch and see how they do with some of those words. Along the same lines of having that student that you're kind of watching that day, a student that you're tuning into that day, is my next tip, which is where we do our flashcards. So I might have every three weeks where we're gonna go through all of the flashcards for all of the sight words and kind of review everything. And so with that, I might say, it's Monday. I'm watching student number one. How many of these words do they know? I might even sort them in piles so that I can go back and count them whenever we're finished. These are the words they knew. These were the words that they did not know. Whatever you happen to be tracking or whatever works easiest for you. Then on Tuesday, I'll repeat. So my kids are seeing the same thing. They don't know what's going on in my head or on paperwork later. They don't know. What I am doing is now we're going to go through those flashcards just like we did on Monday, just like we're going to do tomorrow. But today I'm watching student number two. What words are they able to say as we're reading out loud? On Wednesday, student number three. Thursday, student number four. And so on. So as we're going through those flashcards, I'm listening to everybody. I care what everybody's saying, but I'm really watching the student of that particular day to see what words do they actually know and can sort accordingly. And if that becomes something that you do routinely, they don't even care. They don't even know. That's just what Mrs. Wilp does every day. So it's just a quick, easy way. You're already doing something in the group. It's great practice for everybody. And you still get the data without having to stop everything completely. Which brings me to the last way that I progress monitor. Once in nine weeks, I really do stop everything completely. And I have them come read words to me, whether it be decoding, whether it be sight words, whatever it is, I'm going to really stop our routine, pull kids one-on-one and assess them, which is totally fine to do. But I don't want to do that every three weeks. I don't want to do that all the time. But once in nine weeks, I'm, I'm good with that. And so with that, I have words on my computer and I'll just flip through and have them read all those dull sight words. Or I might have them read all those first grade sight words. I might have them decode words with beginning blends or words with vowel teams, whatever their particular goal is. I'll have them read words from my computer to see 
how are they doing with that particular skill? To me, it all comes back to routines. What routines, what things are you doing in your classroom all the time so that you can start looking and paying attention to what each individual student is able or is not able to do so that you can track the data. From there, I also think you have to have a good start with progress monitoring. You have to have a good start with where are you housing all of that information once you collect it. And for me, I'm a fan of clipboards. I have a clipboard for everything. And one of my clipboards happens to be progress monitoring where I have all of my students listed. They are in the order in which I see them throughout the day. I update it every nine weeks. So if I move a student to a new group or if I update their goal because we've had an annual or an IEP revision, I'll update that paper so that I know what their goals are. And then as I collect and I see, oh, so-and-so just read 35 of those 40 words, I can go write down a 35 really quick on my clipboard. And again, if it's just something that you're doing all the time, your kids don't even notice it. They don't even care what you're doing. It's just something you do all the time. So I really think that progress monitoring stresses a lot of people out and it really comes back to not having good routines or maybe you have the routines You're just not thinking creatively about how can you progress monitor in the moment? How can you make it something that you always, always do? Which is hopefully after you listen to this series, even if you don't do exactly what I'm doing, maybe it'll get the juices flowing for how can you make that happen in the routines you're already doing? How can you kind of steal some of those um, in the moment data points and record them to make your life just a little bit easier. Now, next week, I'll see you back here where we will talk all about decoding because I promise, I do think decoding is important. I do think it's something that our kids need. However, I also believe that it is something that takes a good while for kids to master. And it is definitely something that you need good, solid routines for, which we'll talk about next week. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.